Welcome back to Real Talk with Chuck and Pam. We are down to our final five, our top five of mm-hmm. 2022. I'm going to start this one. You start this one. Okay. You start this one. This one, um, you know, Netflix has really done a great job for me with giving us some amazing films this year. And mm-hmm. Hustle is one of those films with Adam Sandler. Um, this is not Uncut Gems, but this is not a comedy either. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you didn't like Uncut Gems, don't let this sway you from, right. from seeing right. Hustle. Different tone. Um, Adam Sandler plays Stanley Sugarman, and he is an old-time basketball scout who wants nothing more than to be a coach in some capacity of the Philadelphia 76ers. Very good. Thank you. I was hoping I could I pull say, that you, one you out of my hat. not be too certain there. <laughs> I wasn't sure. <laughs> I got it. I got it. Um, he is charged after his um, boss unexpectedly dies, and now the son of the boss, um, <clears throat> excuse me, played by Ben Foster, Vince Merrick, charges him to, you know, he's not going to be the coach, he's going to be a basketball scout. Go find me that special guy somewhere, and then we'll talk about being the coach. And so he reluctantly goes off and continues to find, try and find that next Michael Jordan. He finds and discovers a phenomenal streetball player while he's in Spain, and his name is Bo Cruz, played by Juancho Hernan Gomez. Very good. Thank you very much. Spanish I can do, French not so much. Um, And this is a story of when he brings Bo back to the United States, he does so against Vince Merrick's will. And this sets him up for failure, but he is determined not to fail. Um, Bo and he band together, unbeknownst to Bo, that he doesn't have the support of the Philadelphia 76ers coaches or team, and they have to pave their own path. Um, this is this is just one of those heartfelt, great movies that I can see over and over again, that I can see myself in a character, that I can see other people that I know in these characters. Um, this is something that... Chuck almost spilled his iced tea on the couch. All he would have well. been in so much trouble. All is well. So much trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this is a movie that has heart that shows us that when you find obstacles, um, you can overcome them, but you have to figure out a way to do that. And a lot of it is mind over matter and having confidence in yourself and resiliency. I love his relationship with his wife, played by Queen Latifah. Again, a very solid relationship and a real feeling relationship. And their daughter also has a wonderful role in this and being able to complete the family. Um, I loved this movie. I loved it. I can see it over and over. It's a crowd pleaser. It is. There's there's no question about it. And, you know, this is, you know, another step towards Sandler being taken as a serious actor. Right. you're right. It's no uncut gems. It doesn't have that intensity, and that's fine. I'm fine with that. That's fine. Uh, you know, and when I saw that Queen Latifah was playing his wife, I was like, really? I know, right? Really? Boy, they're great together. Aren't they? They're great. I'd love to see them in a couple more movies, Absolutely. quite frankly. They're, they're, they've just got a natural chemistry. <laughs> they uh, do. She, when, when they're on the couch, and he's rubbing her feet, and he's like, how can somebody with such ugly feet be so beautiful? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they, they've got that... That lived-in feeling right. to to them that yes, that's really it's great. comfortable. And, and again, the whole thing is about family, as you say, because also the basketball player, mm-hmm. you know, wants to be reunited, reunited with her, his daughter, right? Uh, and him being away from the family in Europe, I mean, really does take a toll on him, uh, which is telling. But um, yeah, I like this one too. This was one that 
I actually got my son to sit down and watch, and, and he enjoyed it too. And yeah. everyone who I recommended to come back and say, hey, boy, I'm glad you told yeah. me about that yeah. one. So, uh, yeah, Netflix, again, there we go. Well done. They know what they're doing. They do. What's your number five, Chuck? My number five is Babylon. Uh, Damien Chazelle's uh, look at the silent film era and all of the decadence uh, that was involved in that. Um, it's a messy film. It's not a completely successful film. Uh, but I enjoyed its ambition. I enjoyed the reach that Chazelle had set up for himself. And even though he might have failed to attain it completely, I liked the attempt. And you know that I love Hollywood history, and this right. is this is right there. Right. Um, Margot Robbie and Brad Pitt uh, give two great performances. She's a star on the rise. He's a successful silent film star who is grappling with the sound era and what that means for his career. Um, just incredible set pieces here. From the opening uh, scene, which is just this extended orgy in this Hollywood producer's mansion, uh, to a scene in which they're trying to grapple with these newfangled microphones mm -hmm. and having to take, uh, you know, have one take after another that's ruined by this new technology and how they're trying to get it right. <laughs> I love that. Uh, the, the recurring theme seems to be that you have to die for your art. Because <laughs> uh, there's a guy who dies... Two guys. In the sound uh, How about the guy booth. in the field? And then, you know, another sequence in which, you know, they're making this massive, epic, uh, big screen, you know, adventure. Guy dies there. That seems to be the recurring theme is you have to suffer for your art. Yeah. Uh, if, if not physically, then morally or, or emotionally as well. Uh, we were talking about the young actor in that. Um, and Diego Cava? Diego Cava. And he, as you'd said before, he plays the linchpin. He's the character... Uh, he starts out as a lackey, ends up as a producer, and we follow his tra um, uh, trail through the whole Hollywood thing, and he interacts with all the characters and connects them all. Um, again, I know that people don't like this film, and I understand that completely. Mm -hmm. I get it. Uh, every, every complaint or, or objection I've heard is valid, but it just struck me in the right place. And again, I think it's important, the ending of it, because it talks about the power of film. The importance of uh, seeing it in a theater and that's a vital message right now because we're losing that okay I, I appreciate your appreciation of the movie I loved some particular scenes in it I loved the ending I I admire Giselle's ability because he wrote and directed this his ability to come full circle not just with one layer but several layers mm -hmm. um, that takes real talent um, this is a movie lovers movie Yes, very much. Um, this was too much for me. It was, especially the first time that I saw it, it was in surround sound, Dolby, Atmos, whatever. And it was just too much. It was gratuitous in a lot of things. It was mm -hmm. just overkill to me. Um, unnecessary. And I think a lot of people are going to probably perceive it the same way. Too long. It was too long. It, as I've said this in a couple of other podcasts, bit off more than it could chew in my mind. Um, I think that it needed to focus on one story and have the other stories be more um, like an augmentation to that. I think it tried to delve in too deeply into all the different characters, and it was too much for me. But remember, Hollywood is about excess. And this was excessive. <laughs> exactly right. Excessive. Okay, point taken. <laughs> Number four. Number four. Okay. Number four for me is women talking. Um this is by Sarah Polly. She uh, wrote and directed it, screenplay. She, it's based on a book. Um, and 
this is this is a, a crazy story that initially when I was watching the movie, I thought it took place back in the, I don't know, 1800s, early 1900s. It didn't. It took place in 2011. It's yep. based on a true story of a Mennonite community where these young women, and older women too, were waking up in the middle of the night or the next morning, and they had been raped. Well, as the... I don't want to say an uneducated community, but a community that perhaps does not believe in science and education. Sheltered, very, very sheltered, good word. Um, These women attributed it to the devil. And so the devil had taken taken these women and had either impregnated them or had um, assaulted them. Assaulted, raped. Yeah. So, um, turns out it wasn't the devil. <laughs> it was a group of men within their own community who used cow tranquilizers to <laughs> subdue their victims in the middle of the night and raped them and impregnated them. Um, the final straw was when a three and a half year old child. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. I'm having a hard this time one... saying that. I mean, this is a true story, which is just deplorable. Um, these women. Many of the women, not all of them, decided to band together because they needed to do something. They needed to leave, they needed to stay or they, and forgive, or they needed to stay and fight. And so they created their own democracy and their own voting system to determine what, what they were going to do. It turns out it came down to a tie. Um, stay and fight or leave. Um, and this is a conversation these women have um, while August, played by... Ben Winshaw, Winshaw um, someone who was ostracized from the community as a school teacher who came back, and he's taking notes of everything that's happening. And they have a conversation about the pros and cons of each, each situation, and they all have very different personalities, and everything is eloquently articulated um, through their emotions and through facts as to what has happened and, and what lies ahead if they leave is the is the fear of the unknown better than the fear of staying put mm-hmm. and then fighting against men who have all the power and they have none um <clears throat> one of the the lines in the film is something to the effect of imagine if what you said didn't thought had zero meaning that's what a woman is in this community mm-hmm. um and that needed to change so they had a really tough fight ahead of them if they were to stay and if they leave what unknowns are going to be you know on what 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 could they possibly do? What will they encounter? Well, and I, I think another aspect is that is that religion is used as a weapon against them because another thing that is hanging over their heads is that they feel they think that if they leave, then they're not going to heaven. Right. And and, and they firmly believe this, yeah. and, and so that is used to you know keep them in in place as well. Well, and and they have not been educated. Education is yeah, the boys. Ignorance, they don't know how to read or write. Yeah, they're not stupid, but the no. ignorance is, runs rampant right, here. Right, right, and they know that, and mm-hmm. they want to learn, and they want their children to learn, whether they're male or female. And then there's a cutoff point as to, I have a boy. He's 13. I want him to come with me if we leave. Well, 13 is a cutoff age. I mean, what has he already learned? What's indoctrinated? I mean, it's all these 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 moral issues that they're confronting in realistic ways. Like, when when are these boys a lost cause? When do they learn these things? What makes it okay? Right, and then the, the, there's that whole notion of, well, are they truly at fault? If they've been taught this, right. then they don't know any better. Right. The way we don't know any better, so are they really culpable for, for these actions? Right. Yeah, it, it's just a... 
it, it's a you know snake swallowing its tail situation it just goes round and round it, but also interjected in this is a sweet love story between Rooney Mara her character of Ona, I think it is, and um, August, and how they've always loved one another, and should they be together? And we do have some flashbacks in time. I love the color that Sarah Polly uses in this. It's it's not black and white. It's not color. There are tones of greens and sepia, and it's not not it's full color. color. It is. It is, which is what some of the the conversations do or they drain you but oh my god I was like glued to the screen it was just incredibly gripping to me and that story will forever haunt me think knowing that it's a true story and it took place in 2011 yeah, ago. which makes of course you think wonder what's what's going on now yeah in certain places yeah. and you know a, a great companion piece unfortunately to the handmaid's tale yes definitely definitely yeah what's your number three or no, my number, number three? Number my four. number four uh, is Smile, uh, a horror film that uh, I watched again the other night because sometimes movies will hit you in a certain way mm-hmm. and then you go back and watch them and you're like, yeah, well, that wasn't quite as good as I thought. Uh, so I wanted to watch it again just to make sure that it, it was as good as I thought and it definitely was. Um, Smile came out uh, and was a runaway hit, actually, a surprise hit uh, for Paramount Pictures, something that completely surprised them. It stars Susie Bacon, who, which is Kevin Bacon and Kira Sedgwick's daughter. Oh, really? Yes, yes. Um, written, directed by a guy named Parker Finn, who I'd never heard of. Uh, she plays a, 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 a trauma doctor. She deals with mental trauma. And one day they bring in a patient, a woman who claims to be seeing something that no one else can. Someone is threatening her that she can only see. Uh, of course, no one else can see it. And this woman commits suicide in front of the doctor. We come to find out that this is a curse, which is passed on then to a doctor, and she starts seeing things that no one else can see. People who are smiling at her, people who are malevolently smiling at her, and maybe not overtly threatening her, but giving her an uneasy feeling that something is off. Um, This sounds, I know, like a silly horror trope. I I know that it sounds that way. But there's much more going on here because what this movie is really about is trauma, depression that has gone untreated. We were talking about in an earlier podcast, uh, I don't know which movie you were talking about, but about putting on that smiling face. Right. Putting on that face that everything's fine. It's really happening. Everything's great. You know, I got no problems at all. And that's what the film is about. Smile. That smile you put on, which is hiding all this pain that you are dealing with. Um... Throughout the film, there are references to people being crazy and bonkers. And I love that that was put in there to represent how some people look at this still in the wrong way. That there's still this stigma uh, around being, uh, perhaps having some uh, a mental illness or, right. or a condition. And how that prevents people from getting the help that they need. Um, helps all around us. All you have to do is ask for it. And I think that awareness is growing of this. But certainly not quickly enough. Right. And this woman, who is a therapist, who you know, should know better, you know, she's in more denial than, than anyone else around her. And it ends up not leading to a good conclusion. And that's another thing I liked about the film. It pulls no punches at all as far as how dire this situation is. I don't know if the mental illness is an epidemic in this country, but we certainly see it pop up in the news far too often as being the cause or perhaps the suspected cause 
for tragic behavior. Right. And uh, I, I was just struck by how timely this was and, and how it spoke to some things that, uh, uh, that I've been dealing with as well. So uh, really much more than just a simple horror film. Awesome. Awesome. Um, my number three is She Said. And I think I'm thinking seeing a, a trend with my top you ten. Think? <laughs> <laughs> and and you know, that's that's the thing, okay? Obvious differences between you and I, male, female. And there aren't that many women that do what we do. Mm-hmm. And so my voice has always been a smaller voice within this and I really gravitate toward movies that speak to me. The only thing missing from your list this year is a movie about adoption. <laughs> there weren't any. <laughs> there weren't any, exactly. <laughs> and, and that's okay, you know? I mean, we all have a different voice. We all have a different lens through which we see the world. And people who are like me are maybe going to enjoy my top ten list. People, sure. And we do have a lot of overlap, too, though. Well, so, and I think that's why we do this, so that hopefully people who might not be interested right. would be curious enough to check things out. Right. So she said is based on the New York Times um, uh, story from Megan Tuohy and Jody Cantor about um, the Hollywood scandal of, of Harvey Weinstein. Um, we all know what happened, but I don't think we all knew how it happened. The journey of these two women, and the two women are played by Carrie Mulligan, who plays Megan, and Zoe Kazan, who plays Jody, of how these two women discovered the issue and then unburied all of the secret, not all of the secrets, but a lot of the secrets, enough to break the story um, through the support of, of the New York Times and those at the helm. Um, the stories that, and we know these stories, we didn't realize what Jody and Megan were going through in order to find these women and how, what courage it took for them to tell their story and why they didn't tell their stories immediately. And, and there was a common theme with all of that and what was going to happen to them if they did tell what happened um, behind closed doors or sometimes not even behind closed doors with Harvey Weinstein. Um, this is one of those maddening stories that I was just shaken to the core when I left and to know how strong these two women were mm-hmm. to bring the story to its 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 full point so that everyone knew what had happened that took such gumption for them to do it I would have bailed I would have bailed earlier they had young kids one one had a newborn baby how did they have the strength and the tenacity to go through with what they did? Their husbands were amazing supports. Their, their um, co-workers were amazing say, supports. The newspaper. Yes. Um, and then by the end, and we know what happens, but by the end, you have hope. You have hope that things are going to change. But why do we have that hope? We have that hope because these two women had the courage to, to say what they said and to write what they wrote. The, the thing I came away from with, the, with this movie was, and you said what we don't know. I don't think we knew the extent of it. And there's two moments in this movie that stand out to me. There's a moment with a, a woman played by Samantha Morton who meets with, uh, I think, Jody Cantor. And what she recounts to her and the courage she showed is just galvanizing. I think that's the thing that then justifies everything that happens after. And then there's an interview with a, an assistant to Weinstein who is finally told what was really going on. And he says, I thought it was just affairs that he was paying off. He had no idea 
as to what was going on and gives them a piece of information as to what was happening. Yeah, because he was in charge of the money, the payoffs and everything. And suddenly it it clicks with him. Uh, and, And that's what I thought was just maddening, the power of this man, but also the deception even within his inner circle that allowed him to keep doing this. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting. You think about, you know, you, one of yours, uh, number 10, was the good nurse. Right. There's a, yeah. And, you know, again, enabling horrible, deplorable um, criminal behavior. And that's what his inner, inner circle did in this movie, as we found out, is they enabled him to do it. Yeah. They enabled him to do it. Yeah. They turned a blind well, eye. Well, they enabled him, but also were operating under fear. Because yeah. this guy could ruin you. And yeah. they knew it. Yeah. They knew it. So, yeah, just good thing he's behind bars, but far too much damage done. Absolutely. Far too much Those women, done. every single woman hit a crossroad in their life at that point and went a different direction because of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Changes everything. It does. Changes it does. everything. All right. So what's your number three? Oh, another good time <laughs> film uh, called <laughs> Happening. <laughs> Uh, a French film that you said you were surprised to see on my list. Yeah. Uh, it's based on a novel by uh, Annie Arnaud, and it deals with a young woman uh, by the name of Anne. Uh, she's a college student in France in the 1960s. She's got a bright future ahead of her. Uh, everything looks great. She's got big plans, and then she ends up pregnant uh, due to a one-night stand. Um, and the film does a great job of showing what that meant at that time, as far as, I don't want to say it was the end of her life, but it's definitely the end of any aspirations she might have had uh, within uh, that society the, yeah. at that time. Yeah. She was going to be a housewife at that point. She was going to be a mom, and that was basically it. And she knew that. Uh, and she knows that that's not the life, the life that she wants. She sees what her mother has gone through, which, which influences her greatly. And she goes to great lengths to try and find a doctor or someone uh, who, will help, who will help her uh, find an abortion and can do nothing to help her. Um, I also make a list of 10 best scenes of the year, and mm-hmm. on my list is the scene in which she attempts to do this herself, which is one of Horrifying. the most harrowing scenes, not just of this year, but, but uh, one that is seared in my mind. Um, when this film came out, uh, we hadn't had the tragedy of the Roe versus Wade uh, decision overturned, so who knew that this was going to be as timely as it ultimately was once it was released right. here in the States? Uh, the fact that we still have to have this conversation, of course, is criminal. Um, and the fact that we still need movies like this in order to remind us that a woman's body and a woman's health is her business and needs to be left alone by outsiders of any sort. Uh, the fact that we still have to have this conversation is, is criminal as well. Uh, but this one shook me up, and I think a lot of it had to do with the young actress, woman I had never seen before, Anne Maria Valtolarmi. Uh, she really, I was sympathetic to her the entire time. Oh, absolutely. She really, was incredible in that role. Yeah, I really, you were on her side, you're hoping, you know, that, oh my God. And then, you know, the final act really, really is um, memorable, yep. I guess I would say. So uh, you can find this one on uh, IFC through Amazon and also AMC Plus. Okay. Not, a, not an easy watch, but uh, well worth watching. Definitely, definitely. I, the only reason why I was surprised that it made your list is I just, I didn't, I haven't heard you talk that much about it since it came out, and 
just kind of surprised me. One of those things that just kind of stuck with me. Yeah, yeah I know it didn't have a vampire in it. Or, no, you know, no superhero or anything. Or big guns and flying machines. Every once in a while, you know, it's the exception <laughs> that proves the rule. <laughs> uh, my number two is, is, in my mind, it's an odd one that I chose. And it's The Good Boss. It's a foreign flick. And you know what? I haven't seen this. It oh, got man. by me and I need to see it because I love him. And everything I've heard, and when you talk about it, gets me excited. Okay, good, good. I, I hope you take the time to see it. I'll find it, yeah. Um, this is uh, stars Javier Bardem as Blanco. He is an older gentleman who is pretty powerful. He owns this huge manufacturing company and a ton of employees, and he looks like he's just the most caring boss that you could possibly ask for. He gives his employees everything that they need to be successful in life. He's a part of the, they're a part of the family. If you work, if you work for him, you're a part of his family, and you see him going above and beyond for so many in the very beginning, but then you realize he's going above and beyond in different ways for different people, mm-hmm. and then something happens because he's having an affair with someone named Liliana, played by Almudena Amor, um, and she isn't who he thought he was. There are so many brilliant twists and turns in this movie that you do not expect, and it will take your breath away when you find out how all the lines intersect at the very end. Okay. Um, I loved this movie. I, I've seen it three times now. Look at all these movies I've seen more than once. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've done that in the past. You know that? Um, this is an incredibly brilliant film. You know, I wonder... And I will see this movie. I'm going to look it up when I get home and see where, where I can see it. I wonder if our penchant for re-watching this films this year was because we were searching for something. Yeah. It was a bad year. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. And I told you uh, before we started, I looked at previous years of best of films and strong movies. God, strong movies. And it was hard to whittle it down to ten. This year it was hard to find 10. Yeah. And, and I just wonder if we kept going back because we were searching for something or we're just so happy right. that we found something, you know, with a little meat to it. Right. And I, I think that there wasn't a, one movie that I said, that is the best movie of the year. Although, you know, I think I came up with a pretty darn good list. Right. But there are a lot of really good movies this year, but there weren't a lot of great movies this year. I think there were only two great ones in my opinion. Yeah. Because, yeah, it was, a, it was a thin, thin year. Yeah. Uh, My number two we've already covered, Emily the Criminal. Again, uh, I would say seek this one out. It is, it's one of those where uh, there but for the grace of God go I, as far as making bad decisions and and suddenly finding yourself in a situation you never thought you would. And Audrey Plaza, again, I don't think either one of us can say enough good things about her in this movie. Have you watched her in the second season of The White Lotus? I have not. Okay. She's good. Well, she's always good. I've yep. always enjoyed her. And uh, I know Haley Lou Richardson, another right. favorite of mine, is in that as well. So, no, I need to get to that. Yeah, you should power through that. Um, my number one is your number 10, and we've already talked about that, The Good Nurse, which is streaming on Netflix and stars Jessica Chastain as Amy, a nurse, and Eddie Redmayne, also a nurse, as Charlie, who turns out to be a serial killer. Happens. Happens. <laughs> Crazy thing. Again, you know, it looks like I've got at least two real-life um, no, three real-life stories mm-hmm. on my hand here for my top ten. Um, and this also is a true crime thriller told in the view of friendship. Um, unique way of telling a story about this. And, and it 
it's one that you can watch over and over again and see some incredible performances. You know, we've talked about this extensively and we've talked about the friendship, but I also want to touch on real quick hmm. the other the other plot in here of the detectives yeah. tracking this down and the corruption that they uncover uh, at the administrative level at the high, at the hospital that they're right. dealing with. That, I mean, that was equally fascinating. I wanted more of that and could have been a completely separate movie entity in and of itself. That well, was great as well. This might give you the information that you want. Um, there's a Netflix documentary yes, about I it. Know. Yes, I know. Yes, and there's also the book by Charles Graber mm-hmm. upon which this is written and directed by uh, Tobias Lindholm. Yeah. But I like the two actors yeah. there too, so I wanted to see I more too. of them. They had a great interaction with each other. Uh, but I mean, yeah, I mean, this thing, you don't want any fat in any movie. I mean, Howard Hawks once said, every scene has to move the story forward. And this one does so that. True. I so mean, true. So true. This one does that. And, and you're just hanging on every single moment here. Yep. And that's, that's what makes a great movie. Yep. Not a dull moment. Yeah. Definitely. So you're number one. The Banshees of Inisherin, a movie that, again, I cannot figure out why it didn't affect you the way it affected me. (laughs) And I guess, I don't know, was the hype too big? Did I hype it up? Did you, I mean, I I don't understand it because you've been to Ireland. I know. I I, I looked over to the the islands that they filmed it on. Uh Uh-huh. So. You do a bad Irish accent. I know. You know, so, you know, you've got all this shit going I got the freckles, though. You do, you do. You know, and this one I've seen three times. I want to go back again because I'm trying to. There's still questions I have. There's still Ask questions me. I Ask have. Ask me. What are your What are your questions? Well, as far as why one of the characters does do does what he does. You know. Yes. You know, uh, the ending, as well. I know that has left pe- some people cold. They want a more traditional resolution. Um, Martin McDonough, I mean, his films, he doesn't always give us neat little uh, uh, conclusions to mm-hmm. things. And I think there are certain mysteries in life that there are no explanations. No logical explanation, anyway. And I, I think that's part of what's, what's going on here. I can answer the finger thing for you. Do you oh. want me to do it on the air or off? Well, I guess we'll do it off. But okay. I think it has something to do with self-loathing. Oh, okay. That's how I'm looking okay. at it. Okay. Uh, and I also want to talk about Kerry Condon real quick uh, as... Uh, Patrick, who played by Colin Farrell, who I hope he wins the Oscar for this. Uh, her, her sister, she steals every scene she's in. She's good. She's great. She has that fiery Irish last thing. But oh, also, your, your Irish accent sucks, uh, too. Thank you. I went to the same <laughs> school you went to. Uh, uh, and you sympathize with her because, you know, this movie is just about lonely people. I mean, at the bottom of it, that's what it is. It's about loneliness. It's about isolation. It's, it's no accident this takes place on an isolated, lonely, uh, small island. You know, I mean, all this stuff fits together. And, of course, we also have to talk about, um, how do you say his name? What? Barry? Barry Keene. Barry Keene. Okay. I interviewed him a few years ago. I know many you years said ago. that. You yeah, said he was, nice kid. He seems like He's a kid, like then. He always plays, you know, some sort of an oddball. And here... Of course, he is as well as uh, Dominic. I don't want to call him the village idiot. He was. But, I mean, he, he's not quite all there, but he's got a good heart. And and he's lonely, too. And one of the most heartbreaking oh, scenes geez. I've seen this year is when he spills his guts to Siobhan. And, yeah, it just Gets turned down. Yeah, yeah. he says, another dream <laughs> gone. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, this one, again, not to all tastes. I've seen some people who say they've absolutely hated it. But I think there's it, 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 this one stuck with me, okay. and I can't wait to see it again. Good.
Good, good, good. Wish I liked it. Wanted to like it. Really, really, really wanted to like it. Just like one of my honorable mentions, every, everything, everywhere, all at once. I really enjoyed that one, and you just don't get it. Nope. I just don't get the Banshees. Although I understood all the plot lines, and I was lucky enough to attend the press conference virtually when um, the director and the actors, everyone was there for a, a virtual Q&A. And, and I'm like, okay, this is what I think. Oh, yep, that is what it's about. I think this is why they, yep, that's why they did that. Oh, I think, you know, the parallel lines. Yep, and that's still. Exa- and still, I didn't like it. Hmm. So I think I understood it. I just didn't like it. Okay, good And enough. maybe it's just like a guy thing. Could be. You know? Could be. I'd like to take a look at Rotten Tomatoes and then put it down into gender, filter it through gender okay. and see if more men liked it than women. I just might do that. Stay tuned. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Obviously, Pam has a lot of time on her hands. So, uh, so much. So much so time. So much time. Yeah. Yeah. I got a, I got a garage that needs painting. Yeah. How about yeah. that? I, I just put shelves up in mine. There you so, go. yeah. All right. All right. Well, hey, thanks everybody for listening to us this year. Uh, we're going to take a little break, I think, yes. and recharge because it's our busiest time of year. And we've seen plenty of movies. Uh, but we hope you'll uh, stick with us to, through 2023.